0: Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church, and we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open His Word together and examine His incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. Good morning. That That is better. Thank you. Let me know you're awake, and if you weren't, now you are. So... I almost decided not to get up there because I was sitting there in my pew watching Barrett smile, and that was just more fun than preaching. So he's uh, the, that is the happiest smile I think I've seen in a long time. So turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I want to read a, a short section from this chapter in just a moment. Uh, while you turn there, let me say thank you for coming and being here. We do have a few guests with us, and we are always pleased and honored to have guest with us and uh, hope that maybe uh, what we do here is not only understandable but it is something you can participate in easily as we focus on God and worship him and put our attention entirely on him so hopefully you've been able to do that today and uh, and and I've been able to grow from maybe some of the things we've you've, you've heard today I want to start the lesson today with Romans 1 And I want to start reading verse 18 and read a a fairly depressing passage of scripture, but uh, we will quickly move from that into our lesson. Verse 18, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, but God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over to the desires of their hearts, to sexual impurities so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator, who is praised forever, amen. We live in that world. We live in a world full of people who have decided they would rather serve the world, serve creation, serve the ideals of mankind, serve social order, Serve what we want and what makes us feel fulfilled. Serve comfort and entertainment rather than serve the creator. That's just reality. I don't mean that to depress you. I I mean it just to bring it to your mind because I want us to talk about today and begin a series of lessons today on why we should believe what we believe. We talk oftentimes about whether we should believe the Bible or not. Is the Bible true? Is the Bible uh, a book of facts? How should we handle the Bible? How did we come to gain the Bible? How do we know that the Bible we have is the Bible that God intended for us to have? And how do we know that, that that came from God in the first place? And before we even get to there, we need to discuss do we believe in God at all? Is there a God? The world says no. The Bible says yes. There are religious groups that say yes without any reason for their faith whatsoever. Is there a good reason for having faith in God in the first place? But I think before we even get there, which is typically where we begin, we need to discuss this point. I don't know if y'all can read that or not. You can't, and that's okay. It says, why should I believe anything? Because... That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Why should we believe anything? I'm going to make that bigger next time and easier to see. I see several people like, does it really say that? So, um, why should we believe anything? That, that is a valid question that we need to ask. Because there's a lot of people in the world that say we don't need to. That... That there really is no right and wrong, and that there really isn't anything to believe in at all, and therefore, we don't really have to deal with it. But the truth is, we are all fairly well in the same boat. We all believe something. All of us. You can't not believe something. It, it, even in what described here by Paul in Romans chapter 1, it's saying that they exchanged one thing for another. They didn't exchange one thing for nothing and decide that they were just going to be completely and entirely ignorant of any sort of conclusion whatsoever. No, they exchanged this belief for this belief. They exchanged serving this as God to serving this as God. There was no... There was no option for nothing. You have to believe something. Even if what you believe is that there is nothing to believe in, you believe that statement. You are believing something, even if that something is pushing you to try to argue that what you believe in is nothing. The problem with believing in nothing, though, is that we all have the same evidence that there is Something The fact that we exist It it, it screams For an explanation The fact that we can go out there And look at uh, watch James Span and see the the weather rolling in and he's able to predict what's going to happen two days before it happens And he can tell us how it's all going to work because our world functions with certain order And that things happen the way they're supposed to happen The fact that we can know it's going to be cold or it's going to be warm the fact that we can experience cold or warm It, it screams for an explanation The the evidence is there that there is something. So we have to decide what we're going to believe about that. Ultimately, as we start to try to determine what it is we believe, we are all left with a very limited amount of choices. Uh, The reason I, 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 years ago here, I gave that lesson on the flying spaghetti monster. Some of you will remember that. Uh, the pasta I forget the name of the the, the false religion uh, that 's kind of a mimicking religion, uh, but it, it you know we all look at that and we go that 's just so ridiculous. nobody really believes in postafarianism that 's what it is so nobody believes in pastafarianism nobody actually believes there is a literal flying spaghetti monster that comes from some other realm or some other existent uh, because Even if you did, you have to explain where the flying spaghetti monster came from and why he's interacting with us and what effect he has on our world and universe and existence and how all of that works. Now again, the flying spaghetti monster is kind of a tongue-in-cheek idea to try to display the ridiculousness of believing in an all-powerful, all-knowing God. I I get that. But even if I want to reject that there is an all-powerful and all-knowing God, what other choices am I left with? Because if I want any sort of explanation as to why life is and why it is how it is, there has to be some explanation for that. I look to the evidence and I've got to do something with it. I am forced to make a choice about what I'm going to believe. We all are. We all have to come to grips with those, with those questions. Even if our response to those questions is, I'm gonna ignore those questions, I have done something with the questions. Because we are all forced to. So my question, as we start to dig into these ideas and these, this, this series of uh, inquisitive thinking is, are we going to be honest enough to actually draw what is a logical conclusion to be truly honest the only way to truly be honest with yourself and honest that this might be the right conclusion is to leave every option on the table it's the only way to know that you didn't choose the wrong choice is if you left every choice available. But the problem is, most of the world doesn't do that. We have biases that cause us to not consider every option. You know, for instance, our bias might be, as much of the, the world is, that we are biased or dead set against any sort of supernatural explanation even if the evidence is explained that way or, or points that direction, I know it's not supernatural because everything has to have a natural explanation. And sometimes if, if that's our bias, we need to be honest with ourselves. That, that's the way we're thinking. You can also have a bias on the other side of the aisle, though, and be okay with, you know, just biased with, well, there, there can be supernatural explanations, and we don't need to have any sort of evidence or any sort of, uh, of logical explanation for those things. And so we get biased toward supernaturalism just as much as there might be others who would get biased against supernaturalism. And that's a problem. We're not willing to recognize our our biases so that we can be honest with the conclusion. I am convinced because of what Jesus says over in John chapter 8 that the truth shall set you free that we should not be scared of truth. Don't be scared of it. Whether you are on the the non-faith side of this argument and you want to uh, try to have an explanation that is without that. That's not the Bible You have to leave it on the table because if what you care about is truth You're willing to leave every option available Or if you're a faith-based person that believes in the Bible oftentimes we will honestly consider the non-faith explanations for for life and those types of things and we need to be careful about doing that because again We gotta leave every option on the table. But what I find more and more these days is that there is a group of people who have a bias against making any decision at all. Agnosticism, as it is typically called back in, I don't know that it's still called that, but that's what I always read about in in books and articles and such. uh, that, that, That idea of it doesn't really matter your truth can be your truth. My truth is my truth. It's not really about truth. It's about your feelings or your biases or what you want to be true. That, it, there, that agnosticism, that there is no right answer concept, requires me not to have to make a decision, and therefore I can just believe whatever I want to believe. That, that's not okay either. That is intellectually dishonest it is dishonest to say there is no truth you know how I know that because the one answer I don't want to hear when I go to the doctor and I'm not feeling good is well it could be a hundred different things is that that the answer you want When when you're not feeling good and you've made an appointment and you've waited in that waiting room for way too long and then you've excitedly been called back to the, to the examination room and then you're waiting there like it's the second waiting room and, and you've you know, an hour and a half late, and you still haven't seen the doctor and the doctor comes in and he spends two minutes listening to you complain about how you feel and then they say, well, you know, it could be about a hundred different things. Uh, we'll just try this. That's not what any of us want. All of us want an answer. We want to know what it is and how to fix it. We want to know this is the pill you need to take or this is the treatment you need or this is the change you need to make in your life, but this is how to fix the problem. We're not looking for ambiguity. We're not looking for 100 different answers. We're looking for the answer we need to be the same way when it comes to truth look for the answer we need to believe not just anything but we need to pursue the right thing and that needs to be the way we handle this our goal should be intellectual honesty our goal should be okay if I continue this pursuit and exploring this evidence and this is what this tells me, well, then this is the logical conclusion. And, and um, I've narrowed it down to three possible answers. Okay, well, now I've got, now I've got a, a, a narrow focus and I can try to explore each one of these until I get to the answer. And I'm convinced myself that the answer is going to be found in God and Jesus and the Bible. Because in my exploration, that's where I've gotten to. There might be a brother or, or a friend who, who has a different conclusion that he's come to. Okay, but because he's come to that conclusion, we can have discussions about the evidence and decide who has a better evaluation of the evidence. We can bring new information to one another, and we can have conversation about where, the, where does the evidence eventually always Point that should be our goal, not ambiguity. There must be an answer for the questions of life. You know that what we need to ask are things like, what explains the unexplainable. Now, again, uh, there could be more than one answer to that. I, I'm, I'm in this lesson not necessarily digging into details about what we should believe. I'm more thinking the thought process behind believing something. But there needs to be some exploration on what explains the unexplainable. What best explains the evidence that we have in front of us, like the fact that we exist. We exist. We are here. Some of you are hot. Some of you are cold. You're feeling things right now. You're thinking things right now. You might be dreaming right now. I don't know. But you are here and you are you exist you are you are available you are tangible we are together in this room not only that we are different than the rest of creation we're different we don't have the same attributes we don't have the same limitations that much of the rest of creation has i am different than a rock and i am different than a jellyfish and I am different than my dog that lays on my couch at home. I, I, I have thought, I have feeling, I have rationale, I have the ability to seek greater intelligence, I have the, uh, and, and more knowledge, I have the ability to ask the questions of life and to communicate those things to other people and to learn from other people. There are so many things that make us as humans different than the rest of creation. Why? why what explains the fact that we are different than everything else what explains the human experience and by that i don't mean just uh, the fact that we walk through life and experience different things but the fact that we react to the human experience you know we pursue love all of us do we pursue relationships with one another. We pursue that, have a desire to care for other things. We, we are those kind of people who, who have feelings about who we are and how we've developed and what we've accomplished and whether we've been successful in life and whether we've not. That, that is uniquely human. We have this experience of life that is, that is unique to us. Why do we have it? why are we willing to ask all these questions we have needs as humans that are different than other creatures need now we have some of the same needs I need to eat every day I don't need to but I do typically eat every single day just like at home need to be fed every single day that's the same my cats at home don't have a lot of the other needs that I do. They, they live differently than I do. It, they, they, you know, you can, um, well, I don't want to get sidetracked in all of that. So, what explains a history of religious thought? What I mean by that is you look back through history and culture and you find religious thought developed culture after culture after culture now the details might be different but it is interesting how there is a common experience of seeking what is bigger and what is outside of our existence what explains our existence that we seek after the supernatural why Where in the world does that come from? And if it were just the fabricated idea of a small group of people sometime in history, how has it always been an idea that is common to the human experience? There is just so much unexplained that points to the fact that there are answers out there if we're willing to pursue them. And for most of us, we have. I was talking with, I won't spend a lot of time on this because we're actually going to spend time on this in a, a later sermon. But I was talking to Keith about this, I think it was Wednesday night, but we were talking about how there's different uh, explanations as to why people believe what they believe. And that we in our culture have very much shifted to needing a rationalistic explanation for our faith, that we need to be able to explain all the details of our faith rationally. It needs to make logical sense. There needs to be a point A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and that if we don't have a a rationalistically developed understanding of why we believe what we believe, we think that our faith is in some way deficient. That hasn't always been the case. And honestly, that's not really always the case across human experience. There are some who just believe because it's been Evidence to them. They've seen evidence that faith is good and therefore they pursue faith. There are others who have experimented, and, and because of their experiment, they've tried life with God, life without God, and, and they've tried different ways of living. And because life with God always de- uh, fulfilled the promises that it's supposed to, and life in other ways hasn't fulfilled the, the desires of the human heart, like the book of Ecclesiastes. They've come to the conclusion that faith is a a good thing and it is something on which you can build your life. There are others who sociologically believe in it. If the family they were brought in was faithful and they were brought up in a community where there is a general understanding of who God is and that Jesus is the Son of God, and so that's what they adopted as their own faith. And that's the basis for why they believe what they believe. And there are others who believe it because they've been Uh, brought up in certain religious environments. There are others who believe in it because it is the source of their hope and they can't imagine living without hope. And this is where you get logical uh, explanations like, well, I'd rather live with faith and be wrong than live without faith and, and be wrong. Which one of those is right? All of them. They're all right. They're all good. They are all ways in which God has placed before us evidence for belief. And we need to realize that God has put so much evidence in front of us so that we can believe it. As it said again, Romans chapter 1, For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what has been made. We often interpret that in terms of there's scientific evidences in the world for us to believe, but I don't think that's only what Paul is talking about here. There's been evidence in the world that he is the source of hope. There's evidence in the world by the way religious thought has developed in cultures. There's evidence in the world by the way that sociologically our cultures have developed. There's evidence everywhere. And the truth is, I like this, this quote, in faith there's enough light for those who want to believe and enough shadows to blind those who don't. my question for you is which one of those people are you? Because ultimately the ones who are going to believe are the ones who are willing to explore and those who aren't going to believe are the ones who have given up and who have stopped looking. People who are enlightened are enlightened because they choose be. The, people who are blind are blind because they choose to be blind and we need to recognize that god never intended to eliminate all of our doubt but just not what he's done and I, I think there are some good reasons for it. One being, it causes us, when we have doubts, when we have struggles, when we're questioning what do we believe, it should cause the intellectually honest person to look deeper, to explore more, to search for more answers so that they can continue to know more. It causes us to grow in relationships with God and with the people. When, when I struggle with, with believing, maybe, maybe I, I'm, a, I'm a believer and I'm a Christian, but I've suffered some horrible tragedy in my life and I'm, I'm struggling with my faith because I'm going, God, why would you allow this thing to happen to me? And I'm questioning, is God really there? Is he really helping me out? Why am I experiencing the things I'm experiencing if God is there? It causes me to start questioning. And as I start looking for answers and trying to find why God would allow me to go through the things I'm going through, it brings me to a greater understanding of how he works And I grow deeper in my relationship with him because I realize that sometimes we suffer so that we will turn to him and hold on. Sometimes we suffer so that we can watch him work in our life. Sometimes we suffer because it does bring glory to God. Sometimes we suffer because that's what's involved with wearing the name Christ. Sometimes we uh, we can come up with a hundred reasons why we suffer and all of them point us to a greater relationship. Sometimes... When we doubt, it causes us to work through it in such a way that we start gaining the ability to share it with others. Mark chapter 9, there's a story of Jesus doing a miracle, as he's known to do. And there's a man who who brings a boy to him that's been demon-possessed. And Jesus says, how long has this been happening? And the father says, well, since... Since childhood. And Jesus says, uh, when he's asked to take this demon out of him, he says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, I love this. Look at verse 24. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I think there are times when That's where we're at. While we believe, we know. We know God exists. We know God is the rewarder of those who seek him. We know that he has placed evidence in the world because of our experience, because of whatever it is, we start to struggle with doubting a little bit, and we are screaming out to God, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And that's right where God wants us. Where he wants us. He wants us not to just believe, but to be crying out for help. God never intended to take away every question. That's the reason we're told over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it talks about love, and it says, uh, now abide in these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Well, notice, faith is there. Hope is there. Faith and hope are both very good things, and they are things we are supposed to abide in. We are supposed to hold on to hope. But we will continue to abide in hope until the end. That's the reason the greatest of these three is love, because when we finally go to heaven, we no longer need faith. We will see him with our own eyes. We no longer need hope. We will be experiencing the promises and blessings and rewards of God, but we will still be abiding in love. But as long as we are here, we're holding on to faith and hope. And sometimes those come with questions. Sometimes those come with doubt. We've got to be willing to wrestle with those. But I will say, God has laid it out there for anyone who is looking. Turn with me over to John 14. Jesus, in the upper room with his disciples, having the discussion. He's washed their feet. He's encouraging them, putting courage in them as he's about to go to the cross, and he wants them to stay strong. And he says this, Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world, the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. The world doesn't see truth because they don't want to. It's like Pascal said, in faith there is enough darkness for the blind to not see, but there's enough light for those who want to. The evidence is there. It's abundant. It's out there. It's been there since creation. It's there in our reasoning and our ability to think and our ability to evaluate and, and come up with answers that in the... It's abundant in revelation, which is what we have here, and we'll talk about that in this series of lessons. The evidence is absolutely available for anybody who wants to see it. The question is, do you? Do you want to see it? I've become convinced over the years in my conversations with people that it is honest To be unsure but it is dishonest to be unconcerned and and I think sometimes we get frustrated with somebody who is unsure about what they believe and we need to not do that people who are unsure but they're looking they are the people you need to be talking to it's when we go beyond being unsure to be unconcerned that that's where we quit asking questions We quit being concerned about what is right, and we start being dishonest. Because no matter what you believe, honest people are honestly, they're just not left with the ability, the option to believe nothing. So we have to believe something. In this series of lessons, I want to talk about why we should believe in God why we should believe in the Bible, why we should believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I want to have several lessons about the Bible itself and how we can know that it truly is God's Word and how we got it and, and all of those types of things because I think it's important for those of us who do believe to have the information we need to share with others who want to believe. And we need to be prepared for those, those conversations. But if there are those in here who... Do not believe. Let's talk. Let's have that conversation. Uh, You don't have to wait for a series of lessons to learn answers. We can sit down and we can walk through the Bible and there are so many people here who are willing to have those conversations and walk with you through the truth. Because we don't want you to have a reason for not believing. God has made belief in him an easy thing if you'll just be willing to open your eyes and see it if you need the invitation to get your life right to become a child of god that's something i mean if, if you're struggling with what you believe you're not ready to to commit to god but if you do know what you believe and you've not made that commitment we want you to make it today if you need the invitation to get your life right we want you to come forward and let us know how we can help you as we stand and sing this song Hosanna, you're my king. Thanks for listening and studying God's Word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation, or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's Word with us, Please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.